What is a best ball break and how do you take one at work? How do you eliminate players from the player pool? What is the composition of your teams when you draft a best ball league and a draft champions? How do you draft closers in November? How do you approach lefties with a batting average sink? And what is the fantasy value of Trevor Bauer? You'll find out all that and more on the Draft Champions podcast. Welcome to the Draft Champions podcast. We're here, me and Graham, with Brian J. Seymour. How are you doing? I'm good, man. This has been a long time coming. Uh, I've been, I've appeared on this podcast once, I believe, with you so far, and uh, we've been talking about doing it again. So I'm really pumped to do this. Um, you know, we're in the midst of one of my favorite times of the off season with everybody kind of getting ready with initial player evaluation stuff, figuring out what leagues they're going to join. So yeah, it's like th- this is prime time for me. This is my favorite part of the off season. Good, good to have you, and we've been meaning to have you back. And like. Um... As as you've uh, probably seen that we're, we're this year we're driving we're diving into deep and in, deep into the, some of the teams of the most consistent good players um, that, from last year and not just last year just because you didn't have a good year last year doesn't mean that I don't want to talk to you but um, um, because there, there's examples of that um, but um, you didn't play the NFBC last year um, and you're looking to do it this year but you we were high volume you're a high volume best ball player so. Um, normally we're going to do like i said every two three weeks we're going to have somebody on because it takes a while to go through their teams but we made an exception for you this is like this is an emergency podcast i feel honored about that um and i'm I'm, you know i don't know if you have some kind of sound of a sound effect to like initiate the emergency but uh (laughs) I'm, i'm happy to be here for the emergency pod and you are right like you know and maybe some people will shun me for this but you're right i didn't play ton i didn't really play just strictly nfbc last year i was in my best ball portfolio, I had tons of BB10s, which is obviously a bit of a different thing. But I have been a high volume, primarily best ball. And as of last year, draft and hold player um, for like years now. And it's it's really been like my bread and butter. I, I like playing high volume. I think that it's like, for me, it's like required to have success in this game, I think. Like, it's just part of what one should do. Now, I know not everybody feels that way, but for me anyway, it's what I have to do. And after some successes in some of the higher stakes uh, fan tracks draft and holds last year, um, and frank, to be frank, with you know the bankroll changing and stuff like that, it, it's time for me to expand the horizons a little bit. I'm really pumped to get into some uh, – draft champions with the nfbc this year so that's that's really what i'm focusing on it's become my favorite format i enjoy it more than best ball um and i'll be honest like this is gonna sound weird to some people unless you've been in it like shout out to Derek rhodes he knows but if you are over there at fan tracks playing those best balls you best be sharp and you need to like be in all those drafts like literally a ten dollar best ball over there is like an occasional mind fuck for me like it's just hard especially if Derek's in the room like it's just yeah just kind of come becomes its own shark tank so that kind of got stressful as well frankly the transition to just doing a lesser amount of draft champions for me this year was a necessity too I was doing way way I had 161 teams last year there was a point where I was in 24 drafts at once it was absolutely untenable bananas Say it again. That's bananas. It is bananas. Yeah. I found out that like I could handle maybe 20. 
but it was like, you absolutely cannot live a life. It's not something I'm ever going to do again. So that was another thing too. I needed to pare down and I needed to up the ante. So that that's another reason as well. So I'm just, now, how do you do 20 drafts at once when you're at work? Like you just take like compulsive work crews. Like what, what's the play there? <laughs> well, I did actually have a different job at that time, but I was still working remotely which luckily you know america's realizing is the optimal way for people to can to perform now but you know it was kind of it's you have it you have it set to such a system at that point like when you're that deep into the draft season and stuff i could pull up like a fan tracks draft that i'm in round 21 and within like two three minutes i'm like okay i'm either going with this guy or that guy first of all it's like am i going hitter pitcher and then I go up and down my rankings and I'm like, okay, this guy, this guy, this guy, what's my player portfolio look like? I'm a little heavy on player X. I'll just go with this guy instead. So I, it's, it sounds overwhelming. And frankly, it is with all the notifications, but in terms of once you open up the draft room, and this is another thing that I think Derek would agree with too. We've talked about this, like you've got a system in place that is so rigid at that point that you know what you're doing. I'm not sitting in there for like 15 minutes figuring out what I need to do, you know? So it sounds easier than it is. Um, just didn't leave a lot of time for like other stuff in life, which is why I definitely needed to pare down from that system. So right on. Yeah. So like um, when you were like, if, if you're working now, like can't you just take like a best ball break the same way like people take a cigarette break because people take cigarette breaks for like, like once an hour. It's like, I need, a, I need a best ball break. It's actually more productive. Yeah, that's exactly what my point was going to be. I'm trying to create uh, some monetary income on the side rather than <laughs> potentially die early. So, you know, now I know I still could die early with, uh, you know, with other means, but still, um, yeah, I don't know. I should probably petition for that. Maybe there's a way to get that into the kind of nomenclature and the rules. I don't know. But yeah, what do you think would be the response if I just said I need a best ball break? Would they think I'm talking about a bathroom situation? I don't know. <laughs> best ball. I don't know. Maybe they think you're going to jerk off in the bathroom. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. A best ball break. Yeah. Doesn't sound great. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what you do. So I don't know like what sort of like um, what sort of responsibility you have and, and what, what who relies on you and, and um, whether or not you can make up for that by working later. So it's really tough to, to assess yeah. the, um, the validity of a best ball break. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, what, what was, what was your, your ROI on the, uh, the best balls on fan tracks last year? Uh, well, honestly, I don't know the breakdown between fan tracks and the BB tens, but overall ROI between all 161 teams. And actually, frankly, this does include even the draft and holds I did. I wish I, I don't have more of a breakdown, but the overall ROI for 2021 was 146%. So, um, I was beyond thrilled with that. I mean, believe it or not, there was a time, there's really no point even acknowledging this, but there was a time earlier in the season, I think about the midway point, I was literally sitting on like a 300% ROI. Um, what do you think caused, was, was there a player that made it go down? Trevor Bauer? Uh, well, yeah, he could be one. I mean, I, I will say I had, uh, for him being a first, second round type pick, I had a somewhat heavy allocation to him, but it, it, or there's no way it would have just been him. No, I had like no DeGrom. That's a guy that I just didn't really draft. Um, no, I don't. Um, damn, that's a good question. I've thought of it here and there. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Like I can tell you who 
uh, continuously lifted me up. I was like Brian Reynolds. Uh, I had a lot of Jordan Montgomery, but like uh, Brian Reynolds, I mean, was probably like my MVP of the season in terms of, I think I had him literally on half my teams. Where you got him? He had, yeah, yeah, where I got him. He had such an incredible year. Um, so yeah, he's probably my MVP. I had a ton of Joey Votto. Um, that's a good question, man. I'll have to go back and look at that to see what it was, like why it dropped off so much, because it was like, I mean, it was, it cut in half, obviously over the rest of the year. I never expected like, oh yeah, I'm going to walk away with a 300% ROI this year. I mean, I, I really didn't, but, uh, it was just crazy that it was at that point so good. And really with that best ball system and being in so many of them, the goal each year, like, it's like, I would like to double my money, like a hundred percent ROI would be great. Um, you know, I'll take that. That's kind of my like minimum goal. But that said, if you have a year where it's a weird year and it's 75%, it's like, okay, I'll take it. I mean, it's still a good number, but anything over a hundred is really good. So I was very happy with 146. It was, it was a solid year. Uh, you've mentioned the word system a couple of times now. Um, my question for you, and by the way, just for everyone listening, Graham is still alive here. He's still here. Just doesn't say I'm anything. Still, I'm still here. I'm just still, letting you guys still go. Around. He's still kicking around. Um, I, I asked about a poo break. Oh. That's a, that's high-level comp- uh, contribution here. Like, yeah. Well, you, you, can go, you can go wherever you want. Like, you don't work here, so um, you're not getting paid, so you can do as you please. I feel um, like this is the scene in Shawshank Redemption whenever uh, – um, the most one of the most famous actors of all times the name just slipped my mind uh he gets a grocery store job and constantly asked to go to the bathroom after oh brooks brooks there oh no no no. morgan freeman whenever oh morgan freeman yeah yeah and he's still asking for bathroom breaks yeah hey boss can i get a best ball break (laughs) (laughs) change the movie (laughs) that'd be the worst part of world prison is um no no fantasy baseball I wonder if you could. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if people in prison get to play fantasy. They may play Stratomatic. You know, they may have one of those like card game or whatever. I don't even know how you play that game, but some kind of, um, you know, card situation going on. I don't know. I mean, there is a there is a card game called baseball, from what I know. So no, this sounds awful. Um, it does. You know, I, well, you talk about like um, I guess before we go off on too much of a tangent, you talked about you said the word system a couple times and. What, uh, what comes to my mind is what sort of um, composition you had for those teams, like how many pitchers. And I think that was a question we both had. What was, what do you do? What do you do about that? Yeah. And you're talking like mainly with the fan track side of things or what, what do you Yeah. Do? I was thinking fan tracks, like how many, like there's what, 40, 40 rounds. Is that yeah, correct? So, yeah. And I won't go too deep into this because I, I really am going to start focusing more on like draft and holds and draft champions, but with the fan tracks, best balls. Yeah. It's 40 man rosters. Um, and in leagues where you're looking to, I only did ones where you're looking to 10 X your money. So, you know, a $10 to win $150 to win 500. We had a hundred dollar one, which I actually won that one wire to wire. It was crazy. I think I was leading that the entire season. Um, but yeah, you're trying to, with those 16 17 rarely but maybe 18 pitchers just depending upon your team's build um and the 10x's now it's a different answer in like the double ups i know me and graham have talked about that like um which i don't do the double ups but like you don't need to go as hog wild on pitching you need to make sure that like all of your infield positions are backed up because in that that's more of a like pure it's all a war of attrition but with the double ups it's just kind of like 
I cannot get zeros, period. So like you're, you're more focusing on like very conservative. I always need guys playing. When it comes to the 10Xers, you can be a little bit more risky. Um, and that, that would require maybe drafting a couple extra pitchers and you don't have to worry about backing up the positions as much. Yeah, that, that's how I treat it in any way. So what about catchers? Two or three? Uh, yeah, usually. So uh, rule of thumb is usually if you, first of all, these are one catcher leagues. So you're not, I mean, you shouldn't be prioritizing catchers really like, uh, you know, you have to kind of unwire yourself from typical roto five by five when you get in those and realize the catcher valuations just, I mean, you know, almost, I, I sometimes we treat it like a kicker in fantasy football, which I don't want to get into if that's valid in the fantasy football world anymore or not, because I don't play it anymore. But like, um, yeah, I, I didn't really prioritize catchers, but if I happen to get a couple solid ones, just because for whatever reason they fell in a certain draft, I might just go two. But a lot of times it would be like, I'd get like a top 12 guy or so. And then a guy who I thought would play a lot, a little bit later. And then just some other, like a Tucker Barnhart. I had tons and tons of Tucker Barnhart. So um, typically three is what I would end up doing in those situations. Okay, cool. But having a system, like it sounds like. My pen fell. That's, 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 the, that's the drawbacks of actually having a good microphone is you can hear everything really well. <laughs> and I draw, I drop my pen. Nice. You could hear a pin drop. A pin. Yeah, I get it. There you go. All right, go ahead. Sorry. All right, sorry to, to interrupt, Graham. Um, I thought, I thought so is, your, is, your, is your system more, more based around game theory? I heard, is it more based around game theory? And then you kind of trailed off. But I, I, I Maybe, I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't know that I go as far as even calling anything that I do a system, but I, I would say that like the things that I do is more, yeah, it's probably more, more towards a game theory type of thing. I used to rely way, way more heavily on like player projections and stuff like that. Um, I love the book Winning Fantasy Baseball by Larry Schechter and like did everything to a T just like he does in that book. And I still think that that's a very worthwhile read and people should check that out, especially if they're new to fantasy baseball. Um I don't do it as much that way anymore. Now, to your point, Graham, it is kind of more of a game theory thing. You know, we talked about, um, you know, I tweeted that video last week talking about everybody, I think, in fantasy. I'm trying not, I won't try to generalize, but on Twitter, fantasy baseball, you do get a lot of, um, should this guy go at this point? What do you think about closers going here? Which I will ask pools like that too, because I want to crowdsource to see what generally people think. But sometimes people give answers and they don't discuss format. They don't discuss and format encompasses, you know, the amount of teams, what the settings are. Highly important, obviously, like the most important thing. So I think people don't talk about that enough when they make blanket statements like, what do you mean Liam Hendricks in the second round? Liam Hendricks went 16th overall. Now, I think obviously, and that has happened for any listeners who didn't see it yet, obviously, um, in one of the early NFBC DCs. Um, but you have to also ask yourself the question, what is the format you're playing? And those are draft champions, draft and holds. You're never going to pick up any players again. And right now at this very point in November, a lot of us feel like there's what uh, two to five um, like definitive closers right now. Um, 
I would argue that if you're drafting at a $150 price point in a draft champions right now um, and attacking like those top two closers that aggressively, maybe it's just better to like hold off and draft some of these later. Um, I don't know that I, I want to be doing that that way, but that, yeah, that's my main point. What game are you playing and how do you win the game that you're playing? And I think that that conversation isn't necessarily had enough. It's just like the sticker shock of where certain players are going, you know? So, Again, Grim, you're, you're hard to hear here for some reason. As soon as we start recording, I don't know what's, what, what's, what it is. Talking right into the mic. Now. That's, That's better. Go ahead. I, okay, so I was just, I'm, I'm curious about your prep because it, it seems that you're more interested in like risk management players. Zach, take it away. I don't know. I, would, I don't know what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I heard about uh, my prep anyway. I, oh. I didn't totally hear the whole question. Okay, so I think Graham wants to, uh, you to talk about your prep. Just in general. Okay. Um, well, it, so the first thing that I like to do, and I will tell you, I did this way more aggressively this season. And let me say this too. Like, I don't want to come on here um, because I know there's a lot of people that have been guests on this podcast that are long time, like high stakes NFBC veterans. So like what I'm saying is not gospel or anything like that. It's totally what I want to do that I'm very confident will work and, and do well for me, but not everybody has to do things this way. Um, but for me, for clarity's sake, I need to eliminate lots of players from the player pool. That's just something that I have to do. I know a lot of very smart people and it works for them. Want to assign a value to everybody, you know, whether it is like Luis Severino coming into this year or Justin Verlander or Denelson Lamette, everybody wants to have a number on a guy. Like, okay, well, what is the risk and where should I take them? For me, I just love the clarity of saying I can win this game with a million different player combinations. Like so many people love to kind of beat their chest about takes and stuff like that. Like I called Vlad Jr. I called, you know, um, whatever, another breakout. Like, I don't know if anybody called Otani, but like stuff like that. And it's like, I didn't have either of those players on any of 106. Now I had a little wee bit of Vlad, but I, I didn't, I had no Otani on any rosters. And, you know, you hear this stuff from the great master himself, Phil Dusso. Like when you read the articles about how his dominance this year and you look at his teams, he did not have those players. And that's a huge lesson to people is like, you don't have to call a breakout. I, I won't, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, any breakouts that I have will be, you know, maybe bounce back candidates and stuff like that. But you do not have to have the guy that really broke out big. So for me, it's more about let me eliminate guys from the pool that I feel like there is injury risk and, um, you know, playing time risk, whatever it may be, and focus on a select few that makes the drafting process easier for me. Because even though you're like minimizing that pool you can still win from that pool obviously you know as we've seen people do so i think there's a reason that guys like casey shaw um you know limit the player pool and have had success over the years and i think it's i think it's a really valuable practice it definitely helps me a lot anyway so that's the that's the first thing that i do um and then after that i kind of just going about you know ranking those guys as i see fit 
obviously the rankings are not set in stone. It's not like uh, you guys, I think with fish, uh, Zach, you were talking about this the other day. If you have rankings, that doesn't mean you just blindly draft off them, obviously, especially when you're in a five by five format. Um, but yeah, develop some kind of a ranking system and just kind of go on from there. And, and then I'm just ready to draft, but yeah, for it's, I'm not even worried about projections so much at this point. I mean, I've loosely looked at some of steamers stuff. Um, I will certainly look as other ones come out throughout the winter, especially ATC in January. I'll, I'll check everything out and kind of like, you know, compare where I'm at, but I'm more concerned with how do I draft a team to win the game that I'm playing than was I eight RBIs off on this guy's projection or something like that. That that's just not something I, I'm as worried about. So. So uh, would you um, consider anything other than playing time risk and injury risk when you, when you're eliminating players, like what else, what else would cause you to eliminate a player beside those two risks? Those are two, those are absolutely the two biggest ones. Um, we can get into a topic right now that I think you wanted to a little bit later. Um, that uh, is obviously something that can be risky when it comes to players. And that's dudes who are in trouble for one thing or another. Um, you want to go down that route now, or do you want to save that? Let's save that. Um, okay. But I'm saying maybe, maybe I'll rephrase my question and ask you, um, would you eliminate a player for another reason other than he's risky? Would like, for example, would you eliminate a player um, because of where his ADP is? That's a really good question. And I've had that thought to myself, like, like I've thought to myself, will I ever draft this guy based on draft price? Because of the fact that, you know, you could be drafting from November through March and markets can change so much. I choose to leave those players in there. I won't name names, but there are like, there's a couple guys in the first two rounds that I can pretty much guarantee I won't have any shares of or anything. But I don't want to cross them off my list because what if, you know, under some anomaly, something happens or who knows, like maybe there's some news and markets change throughout the year. I don't want to have the guy crossed off my list and not even in my player pool and feel like unprepared at that point. So I will leave them in. I feel like I still get enough clarity just by getting rid of, you know, the injury and playing time risks that I will leave those guys in there. But that is a really good question because I've grappled with that and thought to myself, do I want to create separate pools of guys where I think overvalued, undervalued for me in the way that I do things, I think it's too much of an administrative task to continue to update the market. Like as I see fit. So I kind of just leave my rankings in there and we'll just take the temperature of the market manually as I look at it, as the draft season goes. So typically your playing time risk falls usually like outside of the early rounds. Um, uh, like your injury risk, like your DeGrom, your McCullers, your Rodon, your Kershaw, all those guys are like early round players. That's your injury risk. I don't know. I, I could go on, but I won't continue listing names. Um, but your playing time risk is uh, like I can think of Mondesi would be one of them. Um, mm -hmm. That would be a playing time risk early. But I'm trying to think of if there's any other um, playing time risks that are in the early rounds. Would you be comfortable giving an example? Because I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Um, like, I guess Meadows, maybe. A Rose, like somebody, somebody on the Rays, low, Brennan Lowe. 
Do you consider those guys playing time risks? So it's an interesting argument. Yeah, I was going to pull up kind of my uh, one of my little databases here. Um, but yeah, I I think you bring up a really good point because yeah, I, when you don't need to take a left-handed raise hitter to win, why do it? You know what I mean? That's just kind of where I'm at with it. And again, like with Brandon Lau last year, a lot of people won the Brandon Lau sweepstakes. And, but the thing is now he seems to still be going at the same price, which is interesting. And I, that, I frankly, I think that that shows the sharpness of fantasy play, like some of the high, the NFBC fantasy players, because um, they may be thinking the same thing that I am. That it's like, yeah, but he's still a Ray and he's still left-handed. And, you know, if people want to think that I'm wrong um, and I shouldn't have that worry, that's fine because there's so many ways to win and I, that doesn't bother me. So I think you bring up a really good point. Like I don't want to actually to expand on your point. Um, you're mentioning two guys that are on the raise that have had some volatility performance wise, or but let's even focus. Presumed. I don't even like Brandon, mm -hmm. Brandon Lau. Uh, I, I, I commend you on pronouncing his name correctly because if you didn't, that would be atrocious. Um, yeah. Well, you would have to especially the whole thing down. Yeah, yeah. You don't, like we don't want to get canceled here. So good. Yeah. Like really, really impressive stuff. Um, mm -hmm. um, like I think it's more presumed because he like he started off a little bit slow and then he like killed it in the last part of the season. Um, so is is it just like a like is it just a presumption? Because I don't know if you listen to it, but um, I think I said it on the on Rob's podcast like people like they like they were saying what you just said, but like in the opposite context because you're like they said look at what he did last year. He had like 40 bombs and he's still going in the same spot, like um, implying that he should be going earlier. Right. Well, that's what I would think. I would think he'd be going earlier than that. I was shocked when I saw his price, but that doesn't mean I want him at that price. That just means that um, I guess, I mean, I'm spitballing here. I think that people think Rays are going to Ray and he's left-handed or something like that. that that's all i can really say i maybe I have to delve deeper into the current nfbc adp but i think a bigger conversation here is the left-handed batter thing and i've i've heard other really wise people talk about this now this may this may not affect like your blue chip players like i'm not afraid of freddie freeman or something like that obviously but as you get into those middle rounds maybe even into the fifth sixth and later you know these are guys who are not necessarily the blue chip players and left-handers are going to get benched just for the simple platoon advantage quicker, usually than a right-handed bat, like just as a rule of thumb. I mean, what's the first thing old school managers do? Not even just old school managers. Like most lefties have a pretty drastic platoon split. So if a guy's struggling, well, Hey, we got a lefty on the mound. Let's just, let's, let's get him out. And when you're sitting here setting hitter lineups twice a week on Monday, Monday and Friday, that's highly impactful. I mean, we've all been in those situations where it's like, man, do I put Jock Peterson in here when Atlanta has two games against like a lefty and a righty or something like that? So I have a propensity to not want guys with a potential hole in their batting average in the middle to late rounds that are left-handed and, um, you know, it could potentially be sad. Like I want to focus on Who's going to be on the field? I want guys that are going to be playing. So I tend to kind of focus a little bit more on right-handed bats that are good defensively, 
guys that are going to be in there. So I, you know, it could be an overcorrection. Maybe I overcorrect for it at times. There's certainly left-handed bats that could struggle that have other, you know, nice things about their player profile that I'll still go with them. Um, but that's something that I keep in mind. Like I have a, a note cause I don't just remember all of this stuff of who is a lefty and who isn't on all of my draft boards, just because it's something I do want to make sure I take into account. Cool. Cool. Graham, you're back. And I'm like, what, what did you just do? What did you just do there? Because you had two screens and then you just reappeared on another screen and you got rid of your first screen. Did you. I'm on my dark net burner account. Nice. Well, I can hear you now. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I switched, uh, I switched devices. So I, I, I'm just, I scrapped the microphone, whatever. Good. It's perfect. You sound, you sound fantastic. So why don't you ask the next question? Uh, what is Trevor Bauer's fantasy value? I, I, don't, okay. I don't have the thing. I don't have the thing up yet. I had to close it. What oh, is Trevor? Yeah. What is Trevor? What is a good question? What is Trevor Bauer's fantasy value? Because you know what? No one wants to talk about that. We're like, well, I've been thinking about this too. Cause well, we've been talking about it, but like we took Bauer at what? 410. Yeah. That's probably that. And I've been in a lot of drafts. I've been in like, including the NFBC fifties. I'm in my third NFBC 50. I've done three draft champions and I've done two um, fan tracks drafting holds. So what is that? Eight. I mean, I'm, I'm either complete or in the process of eight drafts already. Um, and I think that's the, the latest I've seen Trevor Bauer go. Granted that in the 12 teamers, you can go earlier because you just, you just want to make like what's going through my head is I don't want to take him in part of my starting lineup um, as part of my first nine pitchers. I don't want to do that, but that, that means you can, you can afford to draft him earlier in, in the, in the fifties, just as the same way you can draft the prospects a little bit earlier in the fifties, because the same play, I feel the same players that you're um, sort of trying to fill out your, your bench with in, in the, in the draft champions leagues end up being like late, late, late round picks in the fifties, because it's sort of like you're, you're making your sandwich a little differently. Um, but back to Bauer, he, I, I've seen him go in the early two hundreds in draft champions leagues. And I've that's also crazy. seen, yeah. So I've seen, him, I've seen him. I've seen him go in the early two hundreds. I don't. I don't know for sure. Um, I don't recall exactly, but um, it's a good question um, because uh, it. You need, and you know what? We were talking with this. You, you could have. You could avoid it last year and say, "Oh, you're terrible for talking about it." But guess what? You got to talk about it this year because it's it's relevant for your drafts. Well. I guess we'll start here. And I'm going to be like very honest and lay this out because I think it's, it's worthwhile to do so. So number one, um, if there are people who don't want to talk about it in the situation and what Trevor Bauer did or didn't do, um, that's totally fine. And that's, you know, your prerogative and that's fine. Those people, you know, don't get to talk other people not to assess his fantasy value if that's something that they want to do because they are separate matters so you know that's that's just two kind of separate things now um if you're talking about the things that he did and is involved with um you know those are choices that i definitely question big time um why even be in this kind of a situation if you're an athlete that makes you know that kind of money and stuff like that um you know and i won't go too much further down that road but as far as whether or not people who are spending money to play fantasy baseball should be allowed to think about what the value or risk of taking 
him is in a purely will he play standpoint, you know, it's worth a discussion. And the frankly, the more and more that I actually look at the situation and think about it, and frankly, my my risk aversion, um, I I don't know. I I, I do not think you know whatever happens with him in you know real life legally. We know that there's going to be something handed down from Major League Baseball. I don't, I don't know what it is or what it will be, um, but frankly, for me, there's enough risk there that I – let me put this two ways. There's enough risk with the actual situation, and this is a conversation I've had with people before too, and I think that this is a great thing that you have to take into account, just like the injury stuff and just like the playing time stuff. Um this is an eccentric personality. There comes a point where it's like, I just don't want to play this game anymore. You know what I mean? Like um, he, he's got a lot going on. Uh, sometimes it's just comes to the point where it's like, I don't want to participate in the Bauer show, you know what I mean? Um, and rely on him actually being there. So there's risk for that too. So where should he go? I have absolutely no idea. Um but I think like guys that are taking a post pick 400, I mean, you really could be looking at getting some return there, but I'm not prioritizing it. I think just like you guys are looking at it, it's much more of a reactionary kind of thing. It's like, Oh shit, Trevor Bowers there. Well, let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Um, I get that as more of like a reactive thing. It was an on brand brand for the podcast pick too. Yeah, when we took him in, and we we took, we took him in the first uh, draft and hold league that we did on NFBC that got uh, drafted on Fantrax but imported. But me and Graham did that draft together. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we want to call it a brand. I just, I just, I just feel like we call it as it is. Like I don't. It just so happens that no one else really like eventually like these people that get paid to do the analysis are gonna have to rank him. Like, or what do you do? Just will they? I don't know if they will or not. Yeah. I, I really don't know if they will. It, some people won't. I'm, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. do you guys think he pitches? Sorry. In 20, in 2022, like what are, what are the odds? Are the odds 20%, 25% less? That he pitches, pitches like a single pitch? That, yeah, that he pitches, uh, that, he, that he starts for a major league team. I think the odds are over 50%. I think I, would, I was going to say around 50 but I have no idea what that looks like. Like it's such a moving target for me that I don't know how I could participate in it. You know, I just, I really have no idea. So. Okay. Well, steamer has him projected for 30, sorry, 13 games started and a 370 ERA, which is quite high compared to his historical stats, which, um, uh, and if you, if you, if you do the implied stats, on his page, they project him for six innings, innings pitch per start and, uh, and like an 11 point something K per nut. So um, what that, what those 13 games started um, imply are a 100 game suspension for next year, not even including any past served time. And this is steamer. Like they don't know, they don't know quite, quite frankly, they don't know fuck all about what's going to happen to Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I don't no. think anyone, I don't think any, anyone really knows. But if you take those steamer projections and you um, put them into the um, auction calculator, that makes Trevor Bauer a more valuable player using the, I think those, like if he is going to play, I think those projections are pretty conservative because we don't even get into the conversation about him um, using the time that he missed, which was like about half the season this year, like as part of his suspension next year, which I, 
which I think it would be fair, it would be unfair if that wasn't included. So maybe they're maybe they maybe what Steamer is saying is okay, he's gonna get a one-year band, but they one-year band, but they can use some of his old games missed as part of it. But that would make him if he played those 13 games at those stats, which isn't even that great. That would make Bauer a more um, valuable fantasy commodity in in these in these drafts than what they have projected for Tyler Molly, Adam Wainwright, and Joe Ryan. Luis Garcia on the Astros too. You know what means he's still more valuable than those players. And Trevor Bauer was the 30th um, ranked pitcher on the Rasball Raider last year. So you, you talk about Degrom still being valuable based on his half a season, like obviously amazing, but um, getting a, a small amount of games. Well, getting those 13 games from him could be pretty valuable. Any thoughts on that? I, I was going to say, it's interesting that, that their projection, I'm more concerned about like the amount of innings and the starts and stuff like that. And you're right. Nobody really can project that. Um, but that's that does sound reasonable for an amount based on what a lot of us seem to think. Just kind of crowdsourcing and some of the stuff you spoke about there. Um, so that said, I... In a way, I think there's also something to be said about knowing, quote unquote, or believing that you're going to have a guy for, say, 28 starts with, you know, not the Trevor Bauer production, but I know he's there. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, man, like I said, it's all about your risk aversion. And with, with mine, which is pretty high, I just don't know if I want to get involved. I just don't want to, like, knowingly take somebody who will be out probably at least half the season. You know what I mean? That's just um, probably, we, but we don't even know, like he could be, he could miss no time. Right. He could, he could miss no time depending, depending on how things have play out. I don't know what the timing is of timing is of his real life stuff, but mm -hmm. there is a, there is a situation where he is full go. Um, Personally, I don't see him playing for the Dodgers next year under any circumstance. I feel the same way. Yeah. I think they're yeah, going to eat that contract and he's going to become probably a free agent somehow. I don't know exactly the mechanics of it. Um, I don't want to start saying things I don't know, but um, I, I can see him being a cheap, I, I can see him being paid by the Dodgers and playing for a different team with a contract that's basically just all incentive related. I don't, I don't know what yeah. kind of team would, would do that, but um, I don't know. The, the Dolphins wanted Deshaun Watson, so maybe the Marlins will pick up uh, Trevor Bauer. Maybe. They're doing a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I definitely could see what you're talking about because the Dodgers already pretty you know showed pretty obviously that they want to separate themselves from the issue. And, I, you know, you can't blame them for that, obviously. But, um, you know, maybe they – maybe – it, sometimes it makes me think, and you know, this is hindsight 2020, but it, I wonder how much, if anything, some of these teams, we all know the eccentric nature of Bauer. Um, and I just wonder if how much people knew about the guy personally, you know, really on a baseball and personal life level before the signing, like we're getting way kind of off topic with this, but I'll just say real quick, like I, I'm somebody who's a Cardinal fan and they straight up, all of my life have made it very serious, even to the first year player draft. Typically that character is really something that they take into account. Now they're also cheapskate. So they never would have signed Trevor Bauer, but um, they really take that stuff seriously. And you see right here, like this isn't the norm by any stretch of the imagination, but um, 
this is the kind of thing that can happen and you've spent millions upon millions of dollars on it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think I I'm with you. I don't think he'll pitch for the Dodgers, but I have, I really have no clue what's going to happen with them. Yeah. I think it's pretty telling that the organization, like even when he got back on social media there during the playoffs, like he was never affiliating himself with the Dodgers. It was like, I'm having a watch party for the AL games. And it's like, I guess you're not a Dodger anymore, or at least. Uh, yeah. It was something definitely in his happened. best interest. Yeah. It was definitely in his best interest not to do so. Like yeah. I would not be affiliating myself with anybody. Yeah. And yeah. It's almost like, I don't want to try and read into the situation you're just guessing. I got a question for both of you. And um, who do you think pitches more? Who do you think starts more games in 2022? Graham's laughing. You know, I don't think you know what I'm going to say. What do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to ask me if Jacob deGrom or Trevor Bauer pitches more games in you, 2022. You know me too well. That was my question. You know me very well. So what, what, uh, what is your answer to that question? If you had to, if you had to make an educated guess. I hedge and I know Jacob deGrom is going to pitch at least one or at least he's going to start at least one. How do you know that? Doesn't he have a torn UCL? Well, he's, he's going to start one game. They're going to, they're going to like cart his ass out there with like duct tape wrapped around his elbow. And oh, he's, he's going, going to start throwing, left. He's going to do he's left going to throwing he's, going to like, he's, going to like that, he's going to be like that Greg Harris guy on the Red Sox who had like a two handed glove. <laughs> <laughs> That would be interesting. Um, you remember that know, guy? Remember that guy on the on the Red Sox? Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about Jim Abbott? No. That actually had no. There was a reliever on the Red Sox. His name, okay. I believe, his name is Greg Harris, and I'll look it up uh, after. Oh yeah, dude, I think I do remember. And then he was a right-handed pitcher reliever. He was all right. Um, I just I remember him because the Jays played against the Red Sox so often. This is when I was really young, and um, they always talked about it, like he can pitch left-handed. He can pitch left-handed, and finally, like near the end of his career, they're, they're like, okay. Okay, buddy, see what you got. So he had a glove that he could switch from one hand to the other. And he actually switched. He was, he was a switch pitcher. Um, I'm just imagining like, like you know what? He's coming. He's pitching lefty and he just gets a moonshot hits off. Him I, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up during one of our other conversations and I'll come back. We'll come back to this. Didn't but, the Jays have a guy who did that? He Are like he bu- there was a reliever who bummed around like Oakland and Toronto. Yeah, no, there, was, there was another guy recently that did this, too. I believe. I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember, remember. I don't name, remember his I, name. Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody's right. screaming as they're listening to this. To answer your question though, about the Grom and Bauer, which I, you know, not really, I mean, I won't have hardly any of either of them. I don't think I probably would go with the Grom just because I think they're going to do what they can't. Oh, you said pitch more games. Yeah. Man, start more games. Start more games. I don't know, man. I, 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 I almost want to go Bauer, and that is quite a commentary, I think, on the price of Jacob deGrom right now. Uh, I don't pretty, know. Pretty I'm crazy. just a guy. So. What's that? Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy to, to hear someone say that, that, um, that someone that I think has a pretty rational head on their shoulders. Graham, did you answer or no? Yeah, I, I said deGrom will start at least one game. Yeah, but you didn't answer my question. What was your question? Who starts more games next year, deGrom or Bauer? DeGrom. Okay. Because I think DeGrom will start at least one game. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're, you're assuming – okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that was uh, – that you're implying that Trevor Bauer doesn't start a game next year. Oh, yeah. I, that, that's what I think is going to happen, but – You might – like, I, that, that's a very realistic scenario. Um, like, I can't really argue against that. 
I think I think Bauer just too with his like big renegade eccentric bullshit um, Bauer Media whatever it was called v- Velocity what's it called Van I don't know but he could have fucked him he could have fucked his whole whatever but his his whole like crusade against Manfred like he has kicked the hornet's nest I think and <laughs> he certainly it, has like I like I, I'm not saying that he's getting persecuted unjustly because if he did what he allegedly did or didn't do like he should have the book thrown at him but like when you do that and you're also kind of a shithead the people in power are going to try and fuck you be it legally or non-legally and I, I just I think the way the Dodgers have walked away from it I think Major League Baseball would just love for him to go away yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I think there's definitely truths to that. I mean, many people did not like him before this incident, just for, you know, the, the way that he acts. So and I'll be honest, like he's was grading on me too. Like, I, and I'm somebody who I, I used to like some of the stuff he did as far as like, you know, wanting the game to be, you know, modernize the game a little bit more. And, and I, a lot of people probably wouldn't admit that they liked it too now with the things that he's done in his personal life. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's like, you need to put, you need to put your face away for a little while, dude. Like it, uh, it gets to be a bit much. So there was a video that he did a couple of years ago when he first launched his like media empire. And it was him watching video of him pitching to Michael Brantley. And he was talking about every single pitch in the sequence that he threw. And I believe Brantley took him yard. But he was like, Michael Brantley is the most infuriating, like, batter to ever face. And he was, like, talking about what he was thinking as he keeps trying to, like, throw him change up or, like, throw him a fastball or throw him whatever. And Brantley was just on it. And I thought it was fascinating. And that, I was like, oh, man, if he's going to keep doing this, like, I'm all about this. Like, this is awesome. Right. That is cool. It's but, a shame he's so dumb in his personal life, I guess. But what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, guys. Do you want to change the topic entirely here? Yeah, yeah I'm good. Okay, let's change the topic entirely. So I want to talk about Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> now, his steamer projections next year are 14 home runs, 41 um, runs, 45 RBIs, two stolen bases, and a 262 batting average. They have him playing about a half a year. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, why not? Boy. Yeah, I, I, this is another one. It's just... I just can't – I have no idea if that projection is correct. I know even less about his situation, honestly. I have no idea what's going on. Um, but, yeah, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to – what's his ADP? I, uh, actually, I, I do have that. 400s, um, I think. Oh, is it really that, man? Uh, 364. Man, 364 right now. I saw Ozuna go in like the 12th round of a $10 dub- double up the other day, and I laughed. That's ridiculous. Keyword ten dollar double up is probably well, your answer on that. Sure. One. <laughs> yeah, but like, still in a basketball, you don't. That's not something you want to do. Yeah. In a, like he's any like in like in a in a in a managed league, you can't draft him really because he. I don't know. You just can't draft him as a starter if you're going to have a short bench. But like in these draft and hold leagues, like what does he really get you? Like if he's going to be part playing part of the season, um, he's not going to get you any stolen bases really. And like his batting average, you're not really presuming is going to be anything much of an asset. So he's going to get you some counting stats, but like, I think you're just like, like you, when do you take him? Like you're probably still better off with like, just like live bodies that you can find. Like, I'm just trying to think like a, like a Alex Dickerson or Marcelo Zuna, who's going in the five hundreds. Like what's really the difference in these draft and hold leagues. Yeah. Like, you may not is even, he, have is he really even an asset? Like, 
unless he plays unless he plays right away. Yeah, you, and it may not even be as bad as Alex Dickerson. Like uh, I don't know Connor Joe. I'm I'm just looking at some random names. Like, yeah, what's the point really of getting him? I I I don't understand it either. He doesn't offer enough. So, yeah, I'm with you entirely. All right, Graham. Any other player analysis we need to look at? Not that I can really think of. Our Lotus Chapman, maybe. Chapman? He's looking old. Let's talk about that, actually. I, I'm curious about that because, like, so we talked earlier about, you know, we're in this weird part of the early offseason where closers are, um, like, there's a couple stalwarts. Some of us agree. Some of us disagree on who they are. Chapman is a guy who, like, some legitimate people are, like, really seeing the total waning of the skills. And I had him in a lot of leagues last year. Um, are you guys confident? Let me ask, there's two questions here. Are you confident that he should be considered um, one of the, at this moment, locked closers? I guess this is two questions. Number two, do you think the Yankees would stick with him all year regardless of how bad it got? Or, or just... Um, Maybe not regardless of how bad it, but how bad does it have to get for them to unseat him and make it Chad Green or I don't know who? I consider him one of the locked-in closers heading into the year. Um, but I think there is a tipping point for everyone. Just like there is a tipping point for me to draft Adalberto Mondesi via the 10th round, I think there's a tipping point for the Brewers to stop using Josh Hader. Like, it's going to be outrageous, but it's going to be and unexpected, but I think there's a tipping point for everything. So that's a cop-out answer. Yeah, Graham? I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think that the Yankees want him to be the closer and will use him as the closer unless it gets really bad. I also kind of think, and I can't remember who was talking about this, but it was like the randomness of like 60 inning samples and in relief relief pitchers and how like just, you know, like Tyler Matzik just had the season of his life. Mm-hmm. maybe not like I'd have to look at his career things but it's just like how much of that is like his true talent or it's just like the guy was feeling himself all year and was just striking people the fuck out like I would be the postseason yeah I I wouldn't be surprised to see like Chapman bounce back a little like the guy still hucks gas his- not to not to but not to not to suck steam, steamer's dick too much but like steamer uh has him projected at a 2.91 ERA um, which is an improvement over last year. And just to sort of continue on our point, I think, I think that things would have to get like, things have gotten dicey for Chapman in the past. That's, that's why his ADP is where it is because he's had periods of time where you're like, Oh my God, like this guy, like is not trustworthy. They're, they're, they're overusing him. He's, he looks like a different person. His velocity is, was up last year. And I think things are going to have to get worse than, than, they, than they've ever been for the Yankees to, um, get rid of him out of the closer role. So I think he's going to have to top himself in terms of being worse. And that's going to be pretty hard to do unless the Yankees bring in someone other than what they have right now on their staff, like other than Chad Green, like unless, because there's guys out there and this is a good transition to what I want to talk about after, but um, I, I want to finish this conversation about Chapman. Yeah. Well, I, oh, go, go, ahead, ahead, go ahead, Graham. Well, I was just going to say where he is going right now, which is right about 90, if that is about like the back end of what some of the like quote unquote uh, locked in closers were going last year ADP wise. So um, that makes sense to me, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we do have to see something definitely 
way worse than what we've already seen. Yeah. Now, um, I haven't, I haven't put this, I haven't put on, I haven't put pen to paper uh, for this yet, but I'm, I was talking to various people about this. I think I was talking to um, John and Rob after, before we recorded and I probably talked to you, Graham, but um, the closers that are like free agents right now. And, and I consider Craig Kimball part of this, even though he's not a free agent, um, assuming, right. assuming that he is going to get traded because that doesn't look likely. Um, and granted, I'm not saying I know, I'm not trying to say, I know this. I'm just assuming it for the, for this exercise. So you got um, Iglesias, Kimbrell and Mark Melanson. And um, there's other guys out there too. Um, like a, to a lesser degree, you have Hector Neris, right. Who I believe is a free agent. Um, yeah. So even forget him, just, just take those three guys right there. Um, where could they possibly go? And I'm going to, I'm going to get to my point in a roundabout way. Um, there's only, there's, there's, there's so many teams with locked in closers. So you, you, you must presume that those three guys probably aren't going to land in those, like whatever, seven or eight situations. I don't know how many there are. You got like Presley, you got Hader, you got Hendricks, you got even Romano, maybe um, Emmanuel Clace, like those guys, like that, that's, that's going to knock off, like I'd say seven, six or seven or eight teams. And then you got like probably the same amount of teams that just aren't competing. Like you got your Royals, the, like the Rangers. I don't see the A's, the Marlins, Nationals. I really don't see them making a play for those three players. I don't know if you agree. There's probably more teams like the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, like no fucking way. So I think yeah. you're going to, you're down to like probably half the teams. Now let, let's, and I'm just totally like ballparking right now, just off the top of my head. I haven't thought, I haven't put the, put pen to paper on this at all. So like my numbers could be off, but say there's 15 teams that are in play for those three closers. There's a one in five chance that Giovanni Gallegos is, is served. And he's going pretty early. He's going right around with Richard. Now, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, because you're a Cardinals fan, what are your thoughts on that? That's sort of like what, where my head's at. And that's why I'm seeing like Gallegos go like in the fourth round. I think it's absurd right now, like at this well, point dude, in, the, in, the gra- in the draft season. He's actually in the five DC so far. I, I thought this was miraculous when I just looked. He's actually going at 91. Um, behind a role as Chapman, which really that's I, actually surprising, yes, to me. that's shocking to me because people are all over him now. His min is 55, um, but he's gone as late as 121. That's very weird. Um, so you're asking me what the chances are that he sticks as the closer? Is that what you're saying? I might even, I didn't even have a specific question. What are your thoughts on Gallegos and like where he's been going? Because I've seen him go early, but I've, I, I think we're, I've, I've been in drafts where somebody took him like, I think, in the seventh round, and I think that's. Fair. I think I was in a draft and I think um, one of our, one of our early drafts, and I think it was, I don't know if the person wants me to say his name, so I won't um, because we we're talking about in a group chat where he took him. I thought was, I thought it was fine um, personally. And what do I know? Right. But like, I think it was what the seventh or eighth round. I think it's okay, but I've seen him go way earlier, which I think is really, really tough right now because of basically the, the logic that I was explaining. We're dealing with a really small sample size of drafts of only five, but yet, the fact to me that his average is 91 is shocking based on like what I have heard some industry people acting like. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, he's obviously a fantastic reliever, but it's again, just up to like, what will the Cardinals do? They've got a new manager now. So Schilt's gone. Um, it, here's my thing. It's another it, big it, risk. It, yeah, exactly. And I, you know what? Let me give you cop out for cop out since you did that earlier. I, because I'm a volume type of player, I personally may get a little exposure to Gallegos, but I do not want a lot right now. 
I mean, I definitely don't. I mean, I think that you are banking on something that you just flat out don't necessarily know in that situation more so than you are some other situations. Um, I would love it if he was just the guy and, you know, 30 saves and all the ratios to come with it. I'm just not comfortable enough to say that right now, but I'm comfortable enough to maybe grab a share here or there of him anyway. But I got to say, I'm really shocked by the price on him here so far through five drafts. I would like it's a good, it's a good price. I, I have a take on that actually. I and I could be completely wrong, but so call me out because you're a Cardinals fan, Brian. But I like Schlitt left, right? Like it's a, he left because he wasn't embracing uh, saber metrics, right? Well, I, I I don't think it's easy. I don't think that it's that easy. I mean, he got canned. He didn't leave, but he he did get canned. But I don't know. It was very vaguely worded, and it was basically John Mozeliak saying that whatever it is they're doing, he's not participating in it. I mean, I can't imagine, dude, in 2021, a manager said, I ain't doing this sabermetric stuff. I mean, I just can't. <laughs> Does it, I mean, actually, you know, it's funny that you even use that word. I realize, like, I don't even hear people say the word sabermetrics anymore because, like, we're now in a whole new, you know, it's just analytics, I guess. But Schilt uh, – Honestly, I, I don't think he was quite that type of guy. He was more of a player's coach. Don't get me wrong. I actually really liked him. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's just quite that simple. I'm not sure exactly what it was. But, yeah, I figure it's probably like the management of the bullpen and, like, you know, subs and stuff like that. I don't know um, quite enough. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. But don't you think, though, that if that is the case, that the, the option for – um, you know, getting rid of him now, we're probably looking at, if anything, less guy goes closing. That's what I would think. This that's, would that's what I was going to. And I, I kind of just like remember mid season when they first popped Gallegos for uh, the hat or whatever it was. And yes, and yeah. Schilt, Schilt went off and he was like, Man, Geo's my guy, like Geo pitches his ass off, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, I think that Schilt loved Geo and made him the closer because that's what managers do. And I think that point, man. the club would rather be like, no, we pitch Gio as a fireman because he's our best reliever. And Schilt's like, no, fuck that. He's the closer. Um, and that's it just like, that easy. I, I don't want to touch Gallegos for that reason. I think with the new like organizational mindset or philosophy or whatever they're bringing in there or what their outlook is, and I'm not the Cardinals guy. I think that they would be more likely to sign someone, just someone like Melanson or something, just to throw the ninth and use Geo as a fireman. And that's that, a cardinal to, type thing. Yeah. To piggy to piggyback on that, um, I, I've also heard that they want to potentially make Alex Reyes uh, a starter. Um, and Jordan Hicks. Yeah, it, yeah that, I'm not really caring about that because that doesn't. <laughs> that, that, he's not going to be healthy, and he wasn't. He wasn't there last year as a as a point of reference, but. Um, mm-hmm. If he's coming out of the bullpen, if he's leaving the bullpen role, then they're going to need somebody to, to they're going to need more other roles. And Gallegos is a guy that can pitch more than one inning, I think, I think from, from what mm-hmm. I've seen in the past. So bringing in somebody else, they could easily take that closer role from him. And I think, I think Graham's point is also a really good point. So I'm also not in on Gallegos this year um, for, for his price. And, and when I say his price, like even the price, like, Forget about the the crazy prices he was going for in some drafts, but his his average price. I don't think I'm even in for that. But um, 
another thing that I was thinking when we were talking about this is you said like, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to reach early on like those closed or those locked in closes this year earlier than, than typically you would even need to, because there's just so much other uncertainty this year, then why don't you just wait to draft when there is more certainty, but I want to take it from the, like, I want to sort of play devil's advocate there and, and say like, isn't it, like, aren't you at like an even bigger, like, aren't these closers a bigger advantage now? Because let's say, take your hater and Hendricks, you're going to, for all intents and purposes, those are your, you're locking in 60 saves. If you get both those guys, at least, um, and unless some sort of disaster happens now, all the other 14 teams in your league are going to have some saves, maybe one or two of them, but all those other teams are basically going to have like, like are going to be drafting guys like Barlow's and who know and like Finnegan, like a lot, a lot of these guys being drafted now are going to be like completely useless. Like they're not going to be closers. Like, whereas later in draft season, you can have, you can draft a Hendricks and Hader, and then everyone else is going to draft somewhat useful guys that are like, you, you've heard news about them having the role. Everyone's been signed. So, you know, where sort of the, 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 the dust falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because like, no matter what, there's going to be one scenario of how all this plays out this year um, and where you took the guys may or may not matter, but you only right now can know the player market and the situation in November. So like the, the specific point I was trying to make about that, it, you said like, why not just wait, but also if you are, because all, all these are, you know, the $150 DCs right now, you need to be playing for the overall if you're doing those. Like 100%, if you are doing those, you and I'm not saying that people aren't, I'm sure they are, but you must be playing for the overall if you're doing those because um, those leagues pay out about 66% to the 15 teams in the league, you know, and I, again, I know that it's all going to mostly going to the overall prize, but you don't want to just win your league in those settings. So that's why kind of my video the other day about like, what game is it that you're playing? You know, it made sense to me a bit to the, the fact that those couple stalwarts were kind of pushed up. Like it, it, I didn't think it was egregious when I saw them both like universally going in the third round. Like now that you see Liam Hendricks go 16th, and again, I know that was one team, but uh, that may be a bit rich. But, you know, it's all about, like you're saying, Zach, where are we right now and what's going on? So it's an interesting conversation, but it's also like, what league are you playing and are you trying to win it overall? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, then you can also take the other route and do the speculative saves thing, which I'm not as huge of a fan of because I think you end up chasing your tail and may not get anything out of it. So, um, yeah, why not just wait to draft? I mean, why do you think people can't do that just because they have the itch to draft right now? I guess it's that's fucking Pringles, it. man. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just I'm trying to think of I, I'm totally biased. I'm trying to think of excuses why you're wrong that we should wait to, to draft because I, I'm not waiting. Um, but, uh, but Phil, you. our good friend, Phil won the overall and he, um, he won several overalls and he, and he almost won three. He basically swept the floor with everyone. And he was got, he was a guy that maybe not that early, but he, he, he drafted saves. He like, he, he had a focus on saves, like not, not to an extreme, but he like 
I, I can't recall the main events. I can pull them up, but I think he at least got one really early closer in the, in all of his, all of his big drafts. I don't know where he went the second closer, but I think, um, I don't know. So. Yeah. Are you talking about yeah, drafting one or both? Are you talking about doubling up when you're, when you're referring to this, or are you talking about drafting or even just reaching or just even drafting one of them in, the, in like the third round? I don't even know if it's, it's probably not even possible to double up. I mean, you'd have to be really careful with your KDS preferences there, but, um, and it doesn't have to be those two. I mean, I think we all feel pretty comfortable about Edwin Diaz. I feel pretty comfortable about Rysel Iglesias, even though he's not signed. Um, Ryan Presley, you may feel comfortable about, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Um, but no, you don't have to necessarily do that. I guess it's just like, to me, it, it does make sense for some of these people to get one of those guys right now. Like if you're drafting right now, I personally would probably rather do that than to wait until later and just start playing the save speculation game, especially with the way the game is going. You know, like we're talking about the Cardinals situation, more and more teams are going to start to implement that kind of thing. And, you know, even with Gallegos, like something I was going to say on that point is, maybe he still does have crazy ratios and gets 25 saves as the guy who's not the primary closer. I, I, I don't know, but forecasting that is a lot more difficult than just, you know, thinking that the Brewers are just going to stick with Josh Hader. So that's just kind of a product of where we are in the draft season right now. I think. This hey, conversation is, makes me want to draft a lot of our Lotus Chapman. Yeah. Well, we got, we got him in our draft, right, Graham? Yeah. We did in both of them. Yeah. Well, you were yeah, at the price. It's, I mean, I th there's definitely some risk there, but yeah, at the, at the price, I, I didn't know he was going where he's going. That's I'm a little intrigued by that too. Um, we'll see if that continues. Cause with him um, being right there next to Jordan Romano, I, I, I think that's a little uh, mispriced, but I think people are ignoring the fact that um, you talk about injury risk. Jordan Romano, in my opinion, is one of the most injury risky pitchers like in the top 100 picks. I don't know if people, mm -hmm. people, people for, I think people forget too quickly about that same way they did with DeGrom last year, because DeGrom, like just if you, if you, if you, if you don't, if you've owned him over the course of the years, you realize like how many, like, like near catastrophes there's been with him, like right. in your mind, I remember owning him in like, I think 2019. And um, I was trying to like, there was, there was a scare where there was, there was a point in the season where I was trying to trade him for like peanuts. And then he all of a sudden came back and pitched amazing. And now he's pitching harder and harder. It just like, your gut just doesn't say this is good. Um, now there's even more reason to doubt him. And he's still going in the second round. And I know there's a lot of people that, a lot of smart people say that, say that as soon as he's pitching in spring training, I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm in with him, which I don't know. But um, I think like people forget about Romano's, like what happened to him this year. And I think, I think all of a sudden he's like going to be like, people are drafting him because just there's, because of the scarcity, supply and demand. He's a, he's a top 100 pick, I think. I don't know. Do you have, do you have the ADP up right now? Yeah. Um, I'd say he's around 100. Yep. What, 93rd? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, like, remember the injuries, like, uh, last year? Like, he had, the, what was it, the, mm -hmm. the neuritis or, like, some some forearm thing, some forearm thing where, like, the, like you, if you Googled the, um, the recovery time, it was, like, months and months, and somehow he's back in weeks, and he throws super hard. Like, that's that's a risky player. Plus, the Jays have already kind of given you clues that they aren't going to be committed to them. So, oh, have they? You know, uh, and me being from Toronto, I haven't, even, I, I haven't really heard too much about that. What have you heard? 
maybe I'm just pulling stuff out of my ass here, but I thought that they were, I, I didn't see, I don't think that there's been like necessarily like ringing endorsements that he's just the closer, you know, as, as opposed to some other guys, I could be wrong. Well, we, yeah. were, we were worried about Brad Hand. I think the right. 38 signing last year says a lot, even in light of his performance, like they wanted someone there. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. It just context clues. I guess that's really all I mean. And yeah. It was Kirby Yates a one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he'll be back at some point this year, but yeah, you can't draft him. I think it's Ken, and Ken Giles is there, isn't he? Weirdly no, enough. He's in Seattle. Or yeah, my bad. I don't know why he used to be there. What about yeah, what about that? What do you, like time. what do you like he when did he have Tommy Gunn? It was before last year. I think it was like twenty twenty, right? So he should be he should be back. Um Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I pretty much put him in the same category that I would like a starting pitcher that's coming back off Tommy John. And even though he's pretty far removed from it, I don't. He could be a good, he could be a really good value. I mean, I think that there's a chance of that there. Um, I, I have to do some more digging on that, but it's not necessarily something that I would want to get involved with right now. I I like the safety of some of the early guys a little bit more than than delving into that, but that could be. I could really see that working out for people. Yeah. I, I could see that being good. All right. I want to talk about like what your plan is next year. I know we're sort of, we're going to wrap up soon, um, but you played a lot of fan tracks draft and hold, draft and hold last year, or at least a few of them, right? Because you started to, you needed to put more of your cash into different games. Um, right. Those were semi-weekly um, lineups, even for the pitching, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. You said pitching twice a week on there too. So you're going to be diving into the draft champ. <laughs> Draft champions and on the clock. Who that? Who's that? I don't know. It could be any of us. Oh, um, fuck it. not me. It's not me. Doesn't matter. We have to leave it. Leave it. Leave a. Leave her some. Leave her. Uh, leave some suspense here. So it could be anyone. Um, uh, what was I going to say? So yeah. So like you're you're diving right in the deep end to the high high stakes NFBC draft champions. Now you didn't really do any of those last year. So what's your level of confidence and what um in What's a, what, what sort of um, changes for your strategy? Because something must change with the pitching um, being able to set twice a week. And I, it's sort of a paradox because I've done a couple of these fan tracks ones and um, you'd think pitching would go earlier because you can, there, you can change them twice a week, but it's almost not the case. I almost see, see the hitting going earlier because um, the volume on the pitching can be made up a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll be honest. I don't know how many people realize that you can make the pitching changes twice a week. And I'll straight up say me and Dave McDonald had this conversation too. We did not realize that. I thought they just literally copied the NFBC draft champion settings verbatim. So that is on me that I didn't even really know that myself going into it um, until like I was in some of the drafts. Um, It definitely, you know, May, yeah, it definitely would make you want to uh, punch, you know, push up pitching even more in those. But I think my approach already prioritizes getting a lot of volume pitching anyway. So I, I ended up doing really, really well in those. Um, but in terms of like transitioning into some of the um, higher stakes NFBC DCs, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I, I, I'm not necessarily and never have really felt like intimidation or anything like that against going against better players. I just know that, you know, at the end of the day, this is probably just going to mean like, there's not as high of a chance for a higher return, but like we've talked about, like at some point with like the changing bankroll and stuff like that, you do have to do something to get it out there. 
So you have to make adjustments, you know, up yourself into bigger contests, or maybe you don't do that. I mean, some people are totally fine just kind of taking some of that home, putting it into something else, putting it into savings, whatever it is they want to do. Um, but I'm always kind of a big believer in like, you know, build up the portfolio that it is you're working on, you know? So that's my choice. If that means that you could be looking at a little bit less of a predictive ROI, I think that's still a good trade-off because you're still, you know, putting your bankroll out there and doing the best that you can with it. So I'm just really excited because it's going to be a brand new challenge, which I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to, you know, being pared down with my drafts and not in 24 at once or something like that. And I do, I would like to see, you know, how I compare against people that will be like the best players in the NFBC. So um, I'm really stoked about it because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would, if they care enough, would look at like what I have done, you know, just playing high volume best ball and be like, like who really gives a shit dude? That's not really that big of a challenge. Um, so, and that's fine. I want to see how I actually compete at that level. So it'll be interesting, man. I mean, I, I feel like I have always been a sharp player. I've been playing fantasy baseball pretty seriously since I was 15 years old. So I, I think I can do well in what is the sharpest climate we have ever had undoubtedly. So It'll be an interesting challenge, man. I'm I'm really pumped for it to answer your question, though. I'm really excited um, for Brian. I'm really excited for you to be transitioning as well. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. It's a big time in my life. So yeah, and, and you know, um, and it's we'll I think like I think it's very courageous, especially because you're going into like like you said high 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 stakes drafts, and like you see like the the four hundred dollar uh, draft champions, like that's Casey Chaud, Tyler Jung, um, mm-hmm. uh, like the. Phil, like, I don't, I don't think he plays a lot of them, but Matt um, Modica, I think I've done a few of them every year. That's the yeah. other thing too. Not everybody's necessarily in every single one, but you see like, you, you can't avoid them. Like, there's a lot of good players. Like, man, like every time I see those, you can't get into one without looking at some names like shit, like even Modica, Vlad Sedler, Cranutola. Right. I hate drafting with that guy, John Fish. Like, yeah, no, the list goes on, right? Um, there's mm-hmm. tons of good players that probably I just uh, haven't seen recently. I'm not remembering, but um, like if I looked at, I looked at the, the $400 ones and I took, I, I scraped the, I scraped that information off the NFBC website before, um, mm. before I, um, before they, it went away, just the $400 ones, because there weren't as many. And yeah, like Cha and Jong, like those guys are just like the goats of, the, of those things. But like, um, there's one other guy and I mentioned is James Gable. It was like, he was like one guy that was like holding his own. He didn't join that many, but he, he like he's a name to avoid at least how he performed last year. Um, he, he did really well in, in those, in those uh, leagues winning. Um, I honestly think that it, it, all that conversation leads even more because like, I don't want to say you need to throw out what the NFBC ADP is when you're in those drafts, but um, I'm not going to be looking at it as any kind of a barometer compared to how I normally would. I, I'm going to be very strict with just, my like rankings, my valuations and stuff like that and take who I want to take because that's what everybody's going to be doing in those drafts. I think that's a big thing to pay attention to. Right. So anything else you want to talk about in terms of like your, your, your selection of draft, uh, your leagues, like, are, are you, are you going to be hundred percent draft and hold next year? Yeah, I'm going to be hundred percent draft and hold. Um, that's another thing. Like I said, just, I, 
really, I know I've said this a lot, but it's this simplicity factor that I really want to focus on. Like, I just want to pare down in the volume of leagues and the style of leagues. I do not want to be spread across like multiple formats and trying to figure stuff out. I just have no room for it anymore. And I think that's, that's another thing that people may be missing is like doing so many different formats and stuff like that, where you're having to shift your brain and your thinking and stuff. I just want to be like dialed in to one contest and only focused on that and just put everything into that. So um, I, I think that's a big thing in fantasy baseball in general is like contest selection, looking into the prize breakdown to make sure that you're not getting involved with games where the, you know, most of the league prizes maybe goes to an overall or just like a rake or something like that. You just want to put yourself, I always used to say on my podcast, like put yourself and an advantaged space to start with in terms of the payouts, because you are going to lose, like you're going to lose a lot. So you want to make sure when you're winning that you're getting as much back as you can. So I, I think that's a huge piece too that people need to look into. That's good advice. Graham, you, oh God. you live there? Well, I'm here. I'm enjoying the listen. When I say, no, when I say you're live, I didn't mean it for you. I just meant, uh, that's my way of asking if your internet's working. Oh, Your internet's been good today. Like I, I, ever since you uh, did the old um, switcheroo, you've been good. Perfect. Mics, mics are Sound overrated. Good. Hopefully, hopefully my microphone is um is working well enough for everyone that um, makes fun of me. But I think I've been, I think it's good. I think we've um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't sound like Brian Seymour, the the um, voice of the SP streamer um, uh, daily podcast. Sometimes I forget I'm still on there. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, no, like I, I'll listen to one of them and I'm like, I wonder if they pulled me yet. I don't know why I think that. I guess I have like <laughs> imposter syndrome. Like I can't really. Who would they pull you for? I listened. I actually listened to a bunch of them today, and I and uh, every every one of them, you're on there. No, they didn't. I'm just saying. I think one of these days I'm going to play it, and I'm not there anymore. You know, what, you're, prob- you're probably you're probably right. Like like the, the actor, odds are you're not going to last with that forever. Like you're probably gonna yeah. get, you're probably going to get canceled for this for this episode. So you're, you're probably going to be off of there by tomorrow. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. And I love those guys. Love Michael Simeone. Love Doug Ishikawa. Um, but they got to they got to look they got to look out for themselves. They can't they can't be associated with you. That's right. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I mean, it's out there now that you've stated that that is my voice. I don't know that everybody even knew that. Maybe there were people oh, out there on. that thought that. I don't know. I mean, you never know how these. Maybe they thought it was Derek Van Riper. I used to get comparisons to him, and I I'm sure he's listening, Derek. I have never copied your voice. I've never tried to copy your voice and you are the goat when it comes to fantasy baseball voices. So I just want to make that be known. You know what? I, I, I don't know why I thought of this just now, but it was something that I wanted to bring up at the, at the, at the outset of this podcast. Um, I listen to a bunch of podcasts and the one, like one thing here's, here's something that grinds my gears. Okay. And, and, and you know what, this podcast was definitely at fault of doing that. You, you sort of try things out and you want to, I don't know why you do a podcast, but you just do it, whatever. I'm, you do a podcast. I don't know for whatever reason you do it. And at the beginning of all these podcasts, there's news and notes. Why the, mm. why the fuck are there news and notes? Like, especially like, okay, especially a podcast like this or, or anything like in this realm, like don't do a news and notes session because like, no, I know that no one's coming to and listen to this podcast for all like the news that you get all over the place. Like on Roto World, like, like, if you have the internet, you have the news. So like every like all these podcasts, like, oh, and uh, you know what? Edward, Eduardo Rodriguez has signed with the Detroit Tigers. What do you think about right. that? And they have all these people with their own opinions that don't give, that don't matter one fucking cent. Like yeah. news and notes, don't do it. 
Like it's a, it's, it's just a content filler. I agree. And, 100%, and, and, and you know, there's a lot of good podcasts. Fan. There's a lot of good podcasts that, that do that. And like their podcast is good mm-hmm. for like 90% of it, but the news and notes, you don't need it. It's just a waste of time. And your opinion about these things don't matter unless you're going to actually tie it to like some sort of like real actionable advice, which is rare. And let's be clear here that you're not saying this just to like shit on anybody or anything no, like I'm not even you thinking of any specific it. podcast, like because everyone no, no, no. Is, I've, I've done it. I've done it on this podcast before and I'm realizing my mistakes. I've probably done it too. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah, done, I've done that. Because what you're doing, like you said, you listen to a lot of podcasts as do I. And yeah. every time it's just like, I click the fast forward 30 second button until I get like six minutes into the episode and the topic begins. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, so I do the same thing. Uh, Yo boys. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're catering to the, to the, you know, more casual player, which, which that's fine that, you know, it's, it's the listener base. You boys, know, can I, can I break is. some news? Sure. Don't, don't do the rookies of the year. What? Don't do the rookies of the year that just got announced. No, Manny Pena just signed with the Atlanta Braves. Oh boy. Well, there goes uh, Travis Darnode's playing time. Um, Manny Pena is like a old fart, isn't he though? It's like 34, 34, 35. See, this is how you do news and notes. You wait until the end of the podcast. Yeah, no one, everyone give, stopped listening now anyways, I'm sure. Right. You, yes. You give a piece of news that no one cares about. That like if anyone's opinion. still listening to this, like I have nothing planned. Like there's like I've, we've gone through everything that we want that like we had to talk about. And we even stretched it. This is like we've already gone too long. Like we've already taken mm-hmm. up everyone's time, including ourselves. Like you should stop listening. Like you should have stopped listening already. But we're going to talk about Manny Pena. Like just, you know, like just just to be just to be considerate of everyone listening to this podcast is like. There should be nothing of value after this, but you can keep listening. Didn't Manny Pena hit like 15 home runs and limited at bats last? Yeah, year? he did. He like I was I was looking at him in these draft wow. champions leagues, and I'm like, ah, I, think I didn't know that. So I think there, I think it was 13, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But he but he batted like 189 or something like that. He's a catcher. Well, hey, there's a trade off there, you know. Um, in a oh, good park too. In a good park. Oh, he's going to a good park too. Yeah, he hit 13 homers. Wow. Wow. 293 OBP. Um, always been a good defensive guy. I mean, hey, it makes sense for the Braves. I mean, uh, we're not totally doing this. We are literally in the middle of a news and notes section. Um, <laughs> hey, the um, Randy Rosarino won, won the rookie of the year, and so did Jonathan India. Hey, what did Zach. Hey, Zach. It's hey, November. Hey, Brian. Let's What's up? Th- Favorite Thanksgiving food. We're going to start number one. You've got the 101 pick. What are you going? Now, we're going to talk American Thanksgiving. What is your first overall pick in the Thanksgiving food draft? I get the first overall pick. Did we do KDS for the Thanksgiving draft? It's uh, TDS, not Trump derangement syndrome, but turkey... turkey draft so i don't even know what it all is well, i'm gonna i'm gonna go hey brian you know what i'm gonna take i'm gonna go off the board i'll take i'll take something really crazy i'm gonna go with the beer whoa oh okay. my not, god did i did i sni- did i snipe you on that one brian you sniped me there i guess i gotta go you know what how about wine i'm gonna go with wine is we my are getting selection. drunk tonight yep how about it Graham, Maybe are you going to go with an break. alcohol or are you going to go with the food? I think I'm going to take napkins. Ooh. Oh, I was going to, I pegged you for stuffing. I, I thought you were going down the No, side. no, I'm going napkins because you're filling gonna, or dressing. You're drunk. You're going to spill, spill your wine. 
Yeah. All right. You need someone oh, to clean that up. Okay. Well, Grant, you, you have you have back-to-back picks. You're still on the clock because guess what? This is a snake draft. I'm taking I'm taking a sweet potato casserole. Oh, there oh, you go. You did it. He did it. That's rude. With the, with the with the marshmallows on top. I've never had that. Me neither. Oh, I'm Canadian. Oh man, I'm missing out down here, man. That's terrible. I mean, it's not terrible. It sounds great. How about Thanksgiving family members that you run into? Who's the 101 of a family member you want to run into? Do you want to run into? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, is it a, a crazy kooky uncle? Is it a um, somebody who's got some cool business deal for you that takes you down some weird rabbit hole uh, while he's having a beer with you? Who Who is the 101 of Thanksgiving family member guests that are at the party okay who's got the 101 here i don't know i was i, I was just kind of spitballing it let's not do uh, the draft um i mean uh, it, it, this is this is kind of a reverse psychology because you don't really want to see many of these people i was right? gonna say like my grandfather just falls asleep at the table <laughs> well there you go yeah okay yeah, so he'd be the 101 for sure okay like you want to see him but then he's sleeping so it, like it doesn't prolong yeah too much okay what Let's about table uh, this one for another time I, this i mean this sounds like a full episode of material right here so brian brian seymour do you want to tell everyone where they can find you or do they uh, you're um the voice of the sp streamer podcast you are the um co-host of the turn two podcast excellent podcast with matt will 77 ims um yeah. and what else do you do you had the road wager podcast which was a, an amazing podcast i've listened to every one of them i think i've also listened to every one of those turn two podcasts so what else what do you got to say yeah that's pretty much it man that's uh it as far as the fantasy baseball coverage you can find me at brian j seymour s-e-y-m-o-u-r and uh yeah i'm not really a tweeter i don't like twitter that much um you know it's a necessary platform for some and uh that's where we do some things but occasionally i'll talk some baseball in there and share stuff and obviously like to see everything that everybody else is, is putting out but in all seriousness we've made a fun of a lot of stuff today um there has been some fantastic fantasy baseball podcast content coming out here we're really starting to ranch it up ratchet it up here i think uh zach you're doing it i think raw dpatro is doing it right now um sp streamer there's a lot of really really great stuff happening and i always shout out kind of the indie podcasts because they are my favorite ones to listen to. I mean, there's certainly other good ones. Um, but yeah, the, the self starters and like the really hardcore, you know, no time limit um, and FBC talk ones are my favorite. So everybody just keep up the good work because it has been awesome. Yeah. Did I hear a rumor, Brian, that you were bringing Roto Wager back? Uh, that was a joke. Um, and we kind of just covered the, uh, the topic at hand on this podcast already today. So I don't think there's even a reason to do that. You know, I was fiddling around with thinking about doing that, but man, there's just so much going on in life right now that uh, I, I don't think I can fit it in. Although I love doing it. You shouldn't joke about stuff like that. I got legitimately excited. Yeah. Um, well, I, no, I'm I apologize. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> If you need me to send a care package of sorts, um, I don't know what I got to do to pay Canadian shipping or how that stuff works, but I'd be more than happy to, you know, alleviate that for you. So Canadian shipping. Uh, we, we can just shoot the shit. I don't know. 
That works. Zach was supposed to That's give cool. me a, Zach was supposed to give me a what was it a, a t-shirt or a mug or something? A mug, a beer <laughs> bourbon baseball mug, but then it didn't some for some reason we couldn't get it to you because oh yeah, because the shipping was actually more than the mug. That's how we met. That's the yeah. story of me and Graham meeting. Because, instead, instead he was just like, I'll have you on your on the podcast instead. Yeah, be, yeah, because I was trying to promote Mike Curlin's mug, him, him and his wife. I mean, it was a it was an episode with Mike the Mouth. And let's shout out to Mike Curlin, Mike underscore Curland on Twitter, a good friend of mine. He deserves a shout out. Um, that's how we met because I was going to buy a mug for whatever. Just, just I don't. We just decided that was going to happen. Only oh, yeah, then Mike the Mouth was going to sign it, and then it turned out that it was actually going to cost more to ship it to you, even though like I can drive to you in like forty five minutes, than it would to actually buy the mug so then i said <laughs> and i said why don't you just come on the podcast and then it's been it's been and we lived happily ever after beautiful so that yeah Hollywood anything else we need to shout out like um i don't know like a shout out greg jewett he's a good guy yeah, cool. I, yeah I would, he he's, he's got a patreon now closer charts go find go. greg jewett what's his twitter twitter handle is that um now we're just being yeah, now we're just being good guys. G. I mean, I think of it. Yeah, G. Jew at nine, two T's. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, he's a great dude. He, he's now. He, I was. Really nice he guy. helped a lot for the closure stuff last year. Now he has a Patreon, so you should sign up. It's pretty cheap. Go sign up for Greg Jewett's Patreon. Anything else we need yeah. to shout out? Three bucks a month, isn't it? I don't know. Three bucks. Yeah, that's correct. Three bucks a month. It's whatever it is. Whatever it is, is, it's worth it. I'm glad. I'm sure he's happy that we left it left this to the after the Thanksgiving Day draft to shut him out. That we could be sure that no one's listening to that. Um, What else? Baseball perspectives. They do great work. They do great work. Um, Actually, uh, seriousness. Derek Derek Rhodes. Like, isn't he part of that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Derek so, Rhodes. No, I have to be. I, I actually am. People think I'm joking. I have to be serious. Derek Rhodes, D. Doctor Hoa three. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Dr. He actually has two now, and it's hard for me to keep track of. But well, he needs yeah, to. He needs, been... to, he needs to get three thousand followers because we had a bet. He's at. He's at. He's at two thousand three hundred forty-four, and it's a double or it's a double or nothing type thing. Um, so he's got to get three thousand before the start of the season. It's ridiculous that he doesn't. So. He's at, is he at, he's out of his baseball perspective. He's actually, this is, this is a tough feat to, this is really a tough feat, but he is like the best follow at baseball perspectives. And it's really, 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 really hard to be the best out of all those people. But he, uh, he is the best. Derek. And that just, that just, that just shows concrete. No, but like, I know, I love Derek. Derek's awesome. Like, but like, you you think I'm joking about this, but I love Derek actually. But um, I know you're not joking. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, joking. Provides- I'm not joking about that. He needs more followers. Uh, baseball prospectus. They have 1,000, 130,000 followers more than that. I don't know. Wow. Why. That's, hmm. and they, they got, they got, a, they got a, they got a t-shirt line that you can wear. If you, you can buy a baseball perspective t-shirt and you can go to the bar and you can probably like if you're single and you go to the bar with baseball prospectus t-shirt, like you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of like people coming up to you and saying, Whoa, Hey dude, what's going on? You know what on? I would rather have? I would rather have a Derek. I'll maybe I'll talk to Derek, a Derek Rhodes Jersey of sorts. Just get me uh, <laughs> the team of my choosing. I just want a, uh, maybe I'll get his Twitter handle on the back or something like that. Dr. Hoa. And, that would be a sick Jersey. Yeah. 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 Derek has been my adversary in best ball the last couple of years. And, uh, 
more than a worthy one, I think he's probably better. So, uh, yeah, Ooh. he's. I'm, I'm really hoping he dominates again this year. And uh, he's probably. I know happier. he's really stepping. He's probably happier than that I'm gone. Yeah, I'm sure he's a little happy that I'm gone. I really am. Ex- I'm excited to see how he does in these $150 NFBC 12 team best balls because I know that was a challenge year. for everybody. I know he did. I know, but I mean, he's he's tweaking some things and really wanting to get some success in them. So I'm hoping he does. I'm excited to see how he does. In them. I can't jump in those until like I figure out like the sauce because I did them last year. Didn't do too right. great. I didn't. I only played a couple, but I played. I the first one I joined was with Phil Dussault and Rob and. And I, I think I was in another one with Derek, but like Phil just killed, like, I think Phil won that league. It was like in December and he won it by like 2000 points. It wasn't even like a close. And he was draft like, I was drafting like all these players that probably didn't even play. He got like, I think he got like Robbie Ray, Dylan C's, Mark Melanson, all like after round 30. And while I was drafting uh, like Jose Barreo, and it was stupid. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's the man. Jump, It'll be interesting to see his $10 ones with me. Me? I, mean, I, I can't. No, not, I can't. not you. Oh, Zach. Okay. You, you want me to jump in uh, and, and compete against you, Greg? Yeah, it's a $10 best ball. I'm just trying to learn the rules. All right, I'll do it. Let's do, let's do it. Let's join a $10 best ball. Let's draft Bauer, Ozuna, Osuna, Starlin Castro. <laughs> First four picks. Starlin Castro, before we go, we should probably look. That's, that's an important guy to talk about. I think so. I think so. Like, I, uh, thanks for reminding me, Graham. He you know, he is projected for sixty-two games next year, according to Steamer. Oh shit! And uh, be at two seventy-two yeah, average, which is which is pretty good. So Steamer's really good at projecting playing time for people that might not play. Like they're they've taken a they've taken um, a good crack at it. Like a, I guess we'll have to see. I don't even think he, is he on a team. Is I don't think he's on a team anymore. Is no, he? he's not. Okay, all right. That was actually something I wanted to ask you about, Brian. And I, I, you might have talked about it while I was fucking around with computers and stuff. Right. Um, but we're like, what do do you have a special sauce that you generally look at to find playing time? Like, are you a contract guy? Do you look at like Rule Five draft stuff? Like. I know we've talked about handedness and I think you were talking about that when I came back in. Yeah, we, yeah, we were talking about that, but yeah, you and I have talked about that. And I do think that, uh, and Zach, you can go ahead and edit this, splice this back in about an hour ago in the episode that way, you know, people hear it, but, uh, um, yeah, no, I think, I don't think this is anything groundbreaking, but yeah, I do think that contracts is a, is an interesting thing to look at. You know, it goes back to the beginning of time of how to be successful, I think, in fantasy baseball. And it's like the boring guys that are going to play that nobody else wants, you know? And I still think that a lot of that holds true and contract status can be a big part of that as well, especially in a best baller, like draft champions type setting where like you really are trying to just amass statistics and stuff. So um, yeah, it's like an amalgam of things, but I I, I, guys that are going to stay on the field because they're good defensively, um, the contract situation. I think that that all is key. And it's a reason why some people say now roster resource on fan graphs is a fantastic tool that I think we all probably reference, but sometimes you also have to take other little context clues and things like that into account as well, you know, based off of just what you know, that's going on with the team and, and contract situations and stuff. So yeah, I definitely take all of that into account for sure. 
Yeah, just because I, the, the one guy who just, the Marlins re-signed uh, Miguel Rojas. Yeah. Like, I want all like the Miguel him. Rojas. Cause I had all the Miguel Rojas last year. Yep. And he'll yep. do the exact same thing. So does that, does that, does that uh, preclude them from uh, signing any of the big five shortstops? I don't think so. Um, I don't know if they will or not. I don't think so because they didn't give him that much. And he also had a – it was a minor injury, I think, like a finger surgery or something. But I would say no, um, especially with the DH supposedly coming. But I, I will say I agree with you. A guy like Miguel Rojas that people don't talk about is a really slept-upon type guy when it comes to, like, draft champion settings. Because especially when you're swapping hitters in and out all the time, such a consistent performer, like, hits – yeah, I think you bring up a really good point with a guy like him. Like, you know, he's going to be in the field, just got signed. You know, you're not missing anything when he's in there. It sounds boring to talk about, but yeah, those are the kind of guys that are really important, I think, in a setting like that. So, yeah, good shout out. Go Rojas. Well, that's what we're doing. I think we're done our shout outs. I think we're done. I got I to gotta go. We've done them. Probably more than enough uh, player analysis. Yeah, we, we don't usually do bad player analysis. Like, I, what I'm trying to do is um, do, like, uh, teach a man to fish and he'll eat forever type thing. And we're not, like, in, in these podcasts just looking at strategy. But I think it was worthwhile. We, we did get into some, some players today um, mm-hmm. just because people don't get into those players. And I think um, you'd be remiss to ignore them when, uh, when, you're, when you're drafting right now. Yeah, agreed. Well, this is good right. stuff, man. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks for coming on. I'm Thank trying you. to, I'm trying to live up to the standards of me uh, that you, um, that you've, that you've, um, I don't know, whatever it's, you speak so well. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to speak clearly into a, my microphone. I hope everyone enjoyed this installment with um, a perfectly good microphone and Graham, you could hear you. Um, so the internet was fine. So if you, if there's any complaints about the audio or internet for this episode, you can go fuck yourself. Thanks very much.